Good morning, church family. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We're so excited today to be able to observe together Youth Sunday. You know, back at the beginning of March, we had a Youth Sunday, and we had planned all along to follow that Youth Sunday up with a second one, because we actually had four young men wanting to preach. And so we decided that we wanted to go ahead, even before we come back together as a church, and have that Youth Sunday. We had postponed this, but you know, the young people have had so much postponed in their lives we're trying to return to somewhat of a state of normalcy. And so this morning as part of worship, the young people are going to lead us in all aspects of worship. And then we will be hearing from Josh Lapish and Isaac Myers this morning as they bring God's message to us out of God's Word. So be in prayer for them today as they lead us in worship. Get your Bible uh, Get your family gathered, be ready to sit before the Lord and listen and learn and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Abigail Barfield is going to come at this time and she's going to share a little bit more with us about today and upcoming events. Thank you, Pastor Scott, and I would like to extend my welcome as well to anyone tuning in at home or on Facebook, um, and I'd love to thank the church for your continued support and prayers for our youth ministry and for our church as a whole. And in regards to the youth ministry, I have a few announcements for you guys. So the juniors and seniors, this goes out to you guys. As long as we have begun phase two, we are going to be having our beach retreat, so make sure you're checking your emails uh, for an email from Kevin regarding this trip. For graduates and parents of graduates, please make sure that you're watching your emails for important updates regarding the graduate recognition service that will take place on June 7th. Also coming up is our Youth Golf for Missions Tournament, and it will be on May 30th at the Revival at the Crescent Golf Course in Salisbury. If you would like to play and haven't yet signed up, please email Kevin at knight at pbcweb.org. Again, that is K-K-N-I-G-H-T at pbcweb.org. The cost is $60 per person, and all proceeds go to the youth missions. Please make sure to arrive at 11 a.m. for our pre-game meal and our shotgun start at 12.30. We look forward to seeing you there. Once again, thank you all for all the love and support you've shown us through this difficult time. And please join me in prayer as we begin our service. Heavenly Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to continue to worship together even though we cannot be together physically, God. And while we may not be able to be together physically, we can be together spiritually as we worship you each Sunday and Wednesday night together, even if it's from our homes. Thank you for allowing the youth to be able to lead this service this Sunday and just bring all the praise and glory to you. 
Please be with Josh and Isaac as they bring the message. Please just calm their nerves and just speak through them, letting all everyone who's listening to just hear what needs to be heard, God, and to lean in more closely to you. Help us to continue strong in our faith and not to waver, God. Help us to not lose hope during this time and continue relying on you to take care of our needs. As the message is brought, please be with the boys once again. Thank you so much for allowing us to worship together. In your holy and precious name, amen. Another heartbreak day Feels like you're miles away Don't even need no shade When your sun don't shine Shine Too many passing dreams Roll by like limousines It's hard to keep believing When it pass you by Promises I never will forget. I never will forget. So hold on, hold on. The Lord ain't finished yet. Hold on, hold on. He'll get you through this. Hold on, hold on. These are the promises I never will forget. I never will forget. I know your heart been broke again. I know your prayers ain't been.
Good morning. Today we'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, through chapter 4, verses 8. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove rebuke, and exhort, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endorse sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink of offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all of those who have loved his appearing.
Hello, my name is Isaac, and uh, I'm about to give a brief introduction to myself. Uh, but while I am, can you please turn to your Bible to Matthew 10? We're going to be starting at verse 16. But anyway, my name is Isaac Myers. I'm graduating from Central Cabarrus High School, and I'm going to be going to UNC Charlotte to study engineering. Now, whenever we were approached and uh, asked what topic we want to cover and what scriptures we want to go through, me and Josh thought one of the best things we could learn about is how we can defend our faith and what we can expect as Christians, especially seeing how we are about to go out to college or about to go in the workforce to where we're going to see the world on our own for the first time. All right, so I'll start reading in verse 16. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my name's sake. To bear witness before them and the Gentiles, whenever they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child. And children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master. If they have called themselves a master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So I have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valued than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before man, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, please pray with me. Lord, thank you for this day. Thanks for all that you've given us. We're blessed to be here today and to have everything that we have. Please be with those who are working. Please keep them safe and let them be able to be salt and light to a world that's seemingly in chaos. And please be with me and Josh. Give us the words to say. That way you can get honor and glory through what we do. Amen. Now, these verses show a lot of what, as a Christian, we are called to do. And uh, this set of verses actually reminded me of a movie called God's Not Dead. Odds are a couple of y'all have seen that. And in the movie, one of the first things a young man is faced with is whenever he walks into his classroom, his teacher makes all the students write down, God is dead. But the young man, being a Christian, he knew that God was alive, so he refused to write that down. And this led him getting in trouble with his teacher and his very grade at stake, where he was being 
well, tried in his own school. This is a situation that, especially me and my seniors, we're getting ready to see this real soon as we're going off to college. Now, the first part of scripture, again, warns us about the trials we're gonna have to face, especially seeing how this is a world that there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus as their savior. Now, in the scriptures here, we are told that we are to go through the world carefully and intelligently. So that way, whenever we walk up to a person, the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say, and that way we can approach people the correct way. Skit Guys gave an excellent example on how not to do this. Sorry I'm late. Oh, it's okay. I'm glad you're here. Mmm. That coffee is hot. Isn't that the worst? Oh, I just burnt my tongue. You know what? You think that's hot? You gotta try that burn like 10 billion times worse all over your entire body as you fall into the pits of hell because you haven't surrendered your life over to the will of Jesus Christ. Huh? That's a burn you won't get over. <laughs> Saved you a cookie. Obviously, this isn't how we are supposed to tell others the scripture. We are supposed to come to them caring and lovingly. Like 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, one of the hardest things about telling people about who Jesus is, is people can point out stuff in your own life, in your own walk with Jesus. And a way that a Christian can review their life is by looking at their testimony, looking how far God has brought you whenever you were a dead man or woman and brought you to life. See how much you have changed. There's a quote from John Newton saying, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But still, I'm not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. For me, this is a great reminder to what we are to be doing in our Christian walk. It's not to matter what we are. It's all supposed to matter what we can do to give honor and glory right back to God. It doesn't matter what you used to be because God has made you a new creation. Another way that you can check your walk is to have an accountability partner. This can be anyone. This can be your mom, your dad, a sibling, or a friend. Anyone who can really hold you to the mark of what a Christian is supposed to be. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says... Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This shows us how it's better to have a friend that cares for us enough to tell us the painful truth than to have someone by you who just tells you what you want to hear, even though it'll leave you in a bad situation. The scripture also tells us to have an accountability partner who can encourage you and bring wisdom whenever it says iron sharpens iron as friend sharpens friend. 
because your friend and your accountability partner might have gone through something that you have never gone through or you see that you're about to go through. Now, it also is given in here how we were supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Verse 23 says, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you have not gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that it doesn't say stop teaching, stop making disciples, stop giving honor and glory to God. In fact, it implies the opposite. It says that we are to go into all the towns, go through all the world, and preach the good news of the gospel. And uh, this is a very hard time for uh, those who are in the mission field. And this is a very hard thing for people to do whenever they face a trial. Because whenever you get beaten down and whenever you get cast out, you don't want to go right back into the thing that hurts you or to the thing that will cause you discomfort. But for me, one verse that helps keep this whole situation in check is Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, which says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is important so that whenever the whole world just seems cold, dark, and cruel, we can know God has a plan through all of this and that he is going to make you a better creation in his image. Now, these verses can focus on two main trial types. The first one being the believer with their fellow men. And this is shown in verses 21 and 22, which says, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child. And children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Now, this lets us know that there's going to be a couple hard times. And this might not be the most encouraging verse, especially if you're a parent hearing that your kid might try to kill you. And uh, this is just... One thing that a lot of us see whenever we're going through life that people, for seemingly no reason, try to tear us down and to test our Christian faith. There's a well-known statistic that goes, whenever a quote-unquote believer goes off to college, 70% of them never return to the church. Now, a lot of people hear this and they start asking, well, why is that? I see it with two main areas. They were never mature in their faith to begin with, so whenever they were left on their own and their faith was tested, they didn't have the heart knowledge to go back to the gospel and see what God might be doing in it. And also, people don't know how to defend their own faith. Now, luckily the Bible actually gives us an example about how we are to react whenever there's people trying to test our faith and it's shown with Jesus whenever the Pharisees try to accuse, not accuse, but whenever they test him, saying whether they should pay taxes or whether they should give money to the church. You see, because if he said just pay taxes, he'd be neglecting his church, and they could put that against Jesus. But if he said only give to the church, they could give him trouble with Rome because he's telling people not to pay taxes. So 
And responding to this, Jesus said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto the church what is the church's. In this way, he stood tall before the eyes of man, doing nothing wrong, but he gave all honor and glory right back to his father who is in heaven. This is an incredibly hard thing for us to do because saying the right things now is the most appealing. We sometimes want to say something that's hurtful or hateful just because of our human instinct. Like James 3 says, so also a tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. This is where we see the glory of God because him being all-knowing, he sent us the Holy Spirit. That way, whenever that time comes, it's not us that is speaking. It is the Holy Spirit giving us the words that we can share with others. And then the second trial that we see is the trial of the believer versus a governing body or someone in a superior position. Now, there's, for some reason, an ideology that some people think this isn't as important as if you're just walking down the street in America, you're not going to see a man getting beat to death for his religious ideas. Just because it's not the same circumstance doesn't mean persecution still doesn't happen. Now, Jesus also showed us how we are to deal whenever a governing body, like the one in God's not dead, with the teacher telling the student to write down that God is dead. Jesus shows us how we are to react to this. We're to obey as long as it doesn't go against God's commandments. And whenever we do, we go about it again, like First Peter 3.15 says, gently and respectfully. And Jesus showed this in his death. Whenever he was on trial before Pontius Pilate, he had full power that he could have just got up and went away and there would have been nothing Pilate could have done as Jesus is fully man and fully God. But that's not what Jesus did. He knew God's plan was for him to die. He knew God put Pilate in the position so that his death would lead to our lives. Now, this is a hard thing for us to see because a lot of times we don't like whoever's in power but we have to acknowledge that God has put them there. Here it also says what might happen to us from the ruling authority. Whenever it says, they will hand you over and scourge you. Whenever a person was typically scourged, they would be beaten up to the point of death. And this just sets this whole situation into reality, seeing how far we might have to go for the case of the gospel and to share it with others. Now, to wrap up my portion before my good friend Josh comes up here and speaks, I would like to go back to verse 16, which says, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. Now, this section tells us, well, it gives us a really good idea of what it's going to be like when we share the word. Pastor Paul de Boutier explained this in a message he had called Sheep Amongst Wolves. Whenever he said, you know what a sheep does whenever wolves attack? They run. As they have no horns or any other way to defend themselves, they can't even outrun the wolves as their legs aren't long enough to outrun their enemy. 
This is the situation that all of us are in before we know Jesus. And this, if this was the end, that would be one of the saddest messages we would have ever heard. Because it shows that there's nothing we can do on our own to earn heaven. There's nothing we can do to defend ourselves against sin. But luckily, as believers, we have hope. And that is that Jesus died on the cross. So it's not in our own strength that we are to live our life, that we are to share with others. But instead, we have been given the strength by Jesus, and we have been given the message by him. Now, this leaves us with two options. You can either, the first one, the one that many take, is ignore the gospel, carry on your temporary life, and do whatever your heart desires. Again, many take this, and it's the path that leads to hell and destruction. But we're also faced with the second option, and the only one that will lead to life. And that is to turn over your life to Christ and to surrender it all and let God show you the plan he has for you. Now, I'm going to end off with the story that my dad taught me that gets this whole thing into perspective. You see, whenever he was working as a prison guard, one day a pastor came in and he started off his sermon with, I'm going to teach you something that's better than heaven and worse than hell. You see, this caught my dad's attention right off the bat because that's quite a bold claim you're making. Then the pastor said, imagine this, you're in heaven. You see God in all of his glory. You hear the angels singing, and then you look to the pearly gates. You see your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband. You see them walking in. Heaven just got a little bit better. Now imagine the alternative. You're in anguish. You're in pain because you just ignored the gospel through all your life. And as you look up, you see your family, your friends walking through the broad gates of hell as no one told them who was their salvation. Now, this to me just always reminded me that we need to keep an eternal focus on a temporary life. And I would like to welcome my friend Josh Layfish up to the stage. So before I get started, I just want to give a little introduction of myself. My name is Josh Lapish. I'm a senior at Hickory Ridge High School, and I plan, if God willing, to be able to go to Elon this fall to study and get a degree in science. And uh, so let's just get right back into Scripture. I'm going to be going back to Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. And um, there Jesus says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you have more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to be able to bring your word, and I just pray that you would hide me behind the cross as I share this message, and I just um, pray for everyone who is going through a difficult time right now with um, what's going on in the world, that you would just be a source of comfort and peace for them. In your name I pray. So what I want us to see from this scripture is just three points that will serve to encourage us as believers to not have fear as we carry out our uh, goal as Christians, which is to share the gospel to other people. And so the first point I want us to see 
is that God will bring everything to light one day when he returns. And as we can see in verse 26 and 27, Jesus says to us, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. So as believers, we should not fear the world because we know that one day God will justify us through Christ's death and his resurrection for our sins. And John MacArthur writes that the world puts the best face on wickedness and the worst face on righteousness. And in scriptures, we can see that even Christ himself was called a demon or a prince of Satan by the Pharisees and the Jewish high council. However, through these verses, we can see that Jesus promises us that the wickedness of the world will be revealed by God and also the righteousness of believers will be revealed as well. And then further, if you, we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, we see that God will bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. So knowing that God is going to reveal the darkness of the world, but then also that he will reveal the, um, the righteousness of the believers, that really should serve to empower us to not have fear as we spread the gospel. And then we can also see that because God is going to reveal everything we know he is, that there is no secrecy in the gospel, no room for secrecy in the gospel. We know that God has made known to us all spiritual and moral truths that we need to know in his scriptures that he's given to us. And it is his desire for us as believers to proclaim it to all mankind. As disciples of Christ, we're not defending any secrets. We're not a part of a secret society that is defending a sacred truth that no one else can know, but rather we are proclaiming the only truth that has been gifted to us by God through his word that has been revealed to us. Um, And not only is it our role and our responsibility to share the gospel ourselves, but we can also see, as Paul writes in uh, Colossians chapter 4, that pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. So we can see that as believers, it's also very important that we pray for missionaries and pastors locally and all around the world that God would open up an opportunity for the gospel to be shared through them. So now that we can see that all things are going to be revealed by God, next I want us to see that the only one that we have to fear is God alone. And if you look at me in verse 28, Jesus tells us, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So we can see two things from this one verse. The first one is that only God has the power to destroy the soul. And looking through scripture, someone that really sticks out to me as someone who held this truth to their heart is the Apostle Paul. And we look through scriptures and we see that countless times he was beaten, imprisoned, and he even ultimately lost his life for proclaiming the gospel. And in Acts chapter 21, we see as he's about to go to Jerusalem, despite the fact that he's being threatened with it, against his own life by those that are there, Um, and his friends are begging him not to go, he tells them, for I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And we can also see that not even Satan has the power over the soul. Only God is sovereign over the soul, and he will cast him into hell one day. And the second thing that we can see is that it is very important that we revere God more than we revere man. As believers, our fear of God does not come out of terror or fright, because we know that as individuals that have been forgiven of our sins through Christ's ultimate um, sacrifice for our sins, and that we've been made righteous, we know that our, um, our destiny is to be in heaven one day with God. So instead, our fear of God comes from reverence of his unlimited power that he has, over, that is rivaled by no one. 
least of all Satan. And it is this reverence of God that should serve to motivate us to fearlessly serve him and to proclaim his word fearlessly as well. Because any threat that could be posed against us pales in the comparison of God's ultimate power. So, so far in this passage, we can see that God will reveal all things and that we only have to fear God. So the third thing I want us to look at is that God does care for us. In verse 29 through verse 31, Jesus tells us, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So these verses show us that God is concerned about all the details of our lives. We know that God's knowledge about us is infinite, to the point that Jesus even tells us that he has numbered each of the hairs on our head. Not that he's just counted them, but he has numbered each individual one. So that we see this, how much more then could he be, is he concerned about our spiritual well-being, knowing how much he's concerned about something so small as the hairs on our head? And this really should embolden us as believers to have no fear as we share the gospel message. And then secondly, we can see that we are of great value to God. In this example, Jesus uses the sparrow, which in that time was seen as one of the smallest creatures and one of the most worthless. And we see that a sparrow can't even fall to the ground without God knowing. And in the Greek translation, it is said that they can't even hop on the ground without him knowing. And if you look at uh, Matthew, we see in Matthew chapter 6 that, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? We have been created in God's image. And we can see in Psalm 139 that God knit us in our own mother's wombs and he's known us since we were even born. So this really does further encourage us as believers to have no fear. So now that we see these three things, that we should not be fearful of the world because God is going to reveal all things, that we only have to fear God, and that God does truly deeply care for us. The conclusion that we see in this passage of Scripture and that these three three things lead to is that we must confess Christ as Lord. Jesus tells us in verse 32, that so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. One of the most crucial things we must do as believers is to confess Christ as Lord of our lives. Festo Covendere was a Ugandan evangelist who has been referred to even as the Billy Graham of Africa. And in one of the books he wrote, he tells us about the history of the persecution that was faced by Ugandan Um, Christians in the late 19th century. And at one point in his book, he describes how many of these Christians gave up their lives and were tortured and killed, yet they knew almost nothing about the theology or about scripture because they were illiterate and they could not even read. Yet their love of Christ was so deep that they were willing to give up their lives and they they refused to hide it. So as people that have access to the gospel, And how much more should this really cause us to have a deeper confession for Christ? And I want us to also see that as a result of confessing Christ, that there's two truths that we have to realize. And the first truth is that we will face persecution. By confessing Christ as Lord, we are in effect rejecting the world and everything that the world has to offer for us. And as a result, we are going to face persecution for going against the the teachings that the world has. And as we read earlier in Matthew 10, Jesus tells us point blank that 
you will be hated for all you will be hated by all for my name's sake and the second truth i want us to see is that we confess through our words and our actions in order to truly confess christ as lord and savior of our lives we must unflinchingly identify with christ wherever we are no matter the hostility that we face or the opposition how however hard that may be and on the other hand we can very easily deny christ through the way that we talk and interact with others if those that we surround ourselves on a daily basis, our friends, our family, our coworkers, if they can't even see that there is fruits in our lives that they couldn't even tell if you, someone were to ask that we're believers, then that is something that we must address in our lives. And for each of us, this is an almost impossible task to, without fail, always confess Christ perfectly, including myself. No one is going to measure up to that, and we're all going to fall short. But there is great news that we have that has been revealed to us. And we can see it in 1 John chapter 1, verses 9, where it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Scripture, I want us to look at two different men. Um, both of these men were disciples of Jesus. They both walked with him for three years during Christ's earthly ministry. The first man I want us to see is Judas. Judas professed Christ to be the Son of God, but he went on and ultimately gave him up to the priests that Jesus would be arrested and ultimately killed just for a few pieces of silver. And afterwards, we can see in the Bible that Judas did feel remorse for his actions because he ended up taking his own life. Um, and so that's the first example. The second example I want us to see is Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. Yet after Jesus was arrested, we see that Peter denies Jesus on three separate occasions and says that he doesn't even know who Jesus is, let alone that he's associated with him. And however, the difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter was filled with a righteous anguish. Um, we can see that he runs away and weeps out of that anguish. And we know that he repents of his sins because we can see later on that how he is a changed person and how he ultimately gave up his life and was crucified on an upside-down cross for Jesus. And so we can see that Judas's response was simply a worldly sorrow, which in the end is always going to lead to eternal death, which is why it's so important that we confess our sins and, that we, and we repent and we will be forgiven. So in closing, as we saw from Isaac, that as disciples of Christ, we are going to face trials, mainly through the form of persecution from our friends and our family, the people that we are closest to and that we love the most. And then we also will face persecution from our teachers, from our professors, if you're in college, from your bosses. Um, however, Jesus in Matthew 10 has given us reasons why we should not be afraid. Um, because we know that God is going to reveal all things. We know that we only have to fear God, not man. And because we know that God has a deep and rich care for us. So with that being said... I challenge you with this. Will you allow yourself to be silenced by the persecution that you will face and deny Christ? Or will you choose to live empowered by the truths that we have looked at today and confess Christ as Lord and Savior of your life so that Jesus will also confess you in front of God when you die? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the truth that you've revealed to us through the scripture. And I pray that we'll, for those believers, that we will be fearful in the face of trials um, and that we will be comforted by you. And then I also pray 
that for those of you who have not confessed you as Lord, that you would soften their hearts and that you would open up a way that this message would speak to them, that they would confess. And I just, I pray for all of us as we continue to um, just deal with what is going on right now, that you would continue to be a source of life for us. And I just, I thank you most importantly that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on this cross and that he was the ultimate payment for our sins, that we can have eternal life through him. In your name I pray, amen. I certainly want to thank Isaac and Josh for being so faithful to the text this morning and delivering such a powerful message. I believe from it, uh, we need to ask ourselves uh, a few questions. The first question is the obvious question. Will you be acknowledged before the Father by Jesus one day? By that, I mean, have you confessed Jesus as your Lord? By placing your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus' finished work on the cross for your sins. And in doing so, have you repented of your sin and trusted Christ with your life? That is our hope and our prayer this morning uh, as, as we've worshiped the Lord together and our youth have, have led us. You know, it's not a show. It's not a performance. It's, it's our heart's cry to know uh, and to want to know that you have a relationship with Christ and that your eternity is secure in Him. And if that's the case, I have another question for you. Are you sharing that wonderful message? Are you sharing the gospel? And are you living the gospel? Because it's been made plain and evident to us this morning that if we are indeed sharing the gospel and living the gospel, we will be persecuted. And some of that persecution may come from the ones that know us the most. But take heart. If you are indeed sharing and living the gospel in the face of your persecution, you are identifying with Jesus himself. And not only Jesus, but the heroes of Scripture. You're identifying also with their persecution. But take heart. As it's been talked about this morning, everything will come to light. Jesus is our justifier. What an incredible message. What an incredible reality to know that Jesus is the one who justifies us. And then also that God is the only one that we are to fear. You know, we do face persecutions from those that are around us, but as Paul said, we are to take lightly those persecutions in weight of the glory that waits us in eternity. And isn't it such a comfort to know that God cares for us? Church family, thank you so much for allowing our students to lead you in worship today. You know, I told uh, Josh and Isaac that I only hate that they weren't able to do it live. I thought they did such an incredible job along with our praise band and those who have prayed and read Scripture. Our hope and our prayer is that all of this is pointed to the Lord Jesus and exalted His name because when we exalt His name, when His name is high and lifted up, He draws all people unto Himself.
So thank you, thank you so much for loving and supporting us in our student ministry and allowing us these opportunities to lead you in worship. Now to close our service, I would like to ask Barrett Jones to come and have our closing prayer. All right. uh, let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. And thank you that even though we could not be here, that we are still able to worship and share the gospel remotely. Thank you for letting my friends Isaac and Josh bring us the word of the gospel this morning and teach us about your word. Thank you for our church and our youth pastor, Kevin Knight, who knows the importance of training us up into the way that we should go. So when we are older, that we will not depart from it. Lord, please help us and guide us as we slowly transition back to normal. And please be with those who are sick and for the essential workers as they assist others in need. And thank you for this opportunity to come and pray and for everybody else that was able to come to and do this and the opportunity that the youth gets to play um, on this day. And thank you that we were all able to grow up in a good Christian home through Pitts Baptist Church. In your name, amen.